Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Introducing your host, Kids at Heart. Hi, everybody. Uh, so it has been a minute. Um, we'll get to our special guest, Connor, in a second. But just to say, uh, we are kind of, you'll see that Chris has been on the channel and I've been on the channel in like random kind of spurts here and there with different shows, but, uh, our schedules have not mixed quite yet that we can start doing WrestleReal on a regular basis again. Um, so we are here with a special episode with a special guest, my friend and, uh, friend of the channel and, uh, just everything in general, Mr. Joe DiNardo here today to uh co-host an episode with me unfortunately chris is not able to join us but you know we will be back uh eventually at some point to uh do the show but welcome thanks nick um you might recognize joe if you are in the rise of ren sphere as the guy who played kit for one scene in the trailer (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) he was in the magical revolving door of people to play in that movie uh, but no, we're here to, he wanted to do Wrestle Reel really badly, and uh, yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure. I feel like everyone who gets on the podcast says it's a pleasure is the first thing that they say. <laughs> like, But um, I'd say that uh, I'm a big fan, but this is the first episode that I'm in, a part of and included with. Yeah. And that I've seen. But yeah, I love wrestling. I love the history of wrestling. I love talking about like wrestling and also um i've always wanted to be on a podcast yeah and so you got the the magic to make it happen so let's best of everything so before we get into our first segment i told joe that i had something incredibly random that i found right before we were about to actually start recording and it is the wrestling album wow yeah this is the the wrestling album right here everybody uh, one of the original WWE, like, uh, it's not even an entrance. You know how, like, they used to put out those, like, entrance yeah. CDs and stuff yeah, of like course. that? This is not one of them. Instead, this is actual songs uh, sung by professional wrestlers. And it is, uh, if I remember correctly, it is just this. I mean, you got freaking Nikolai Volkov singing Karamia on this. So how good could it actually be? Uh, I didn't even know that existed. It does, and you know we have some very famous uh, wrestling faces on here from back in the day. Mm. Uh, I I don't know if this is the album that Vince McMahon sings his world famous uh, Slammy song on, but I it, this this album wouldn't be uh, correct if the ending of it uh, did not have Hulk Hogan's theme as the song on it. So wow. I guess it, this was like a precursor to those like ruthless aggression CDs that I used to get from the library all the time in order to uh, rip the music off and put it on my MP3 player. Yeah, well, judging by the cover, I think uh, the era that they were in, they were just trying to get as much money squeezed oh out of it as they could. So anything that they could put their name on. I mean, the wrestling business as a whole today probably would not be the same without that album right there. Uh, but without further ado, as you all know, as I actually should probably get ready for it. 
we are going to get into segment number one. And I don't have anything uh, let up here for the bottom, but I think that the first thing that we need to talk about is just that era of wrestling that I know that you and I both kind of watched um, when we were younger, because we're around the same age. Uh, that ruthless aggression, John yeah. Cena, um, you know, Randy Orton, uh, Triple H era yeah. of wrestling uh, was always definitely one of my favorites, just the nostalgia of it. But of what are your some of your favorite Ruthless Aggression era memories? Um, well, when I think back to Ruthless Aggression, uh, it's really like picking up the pieces from, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock departing. Mm -hmm. And so who kind of rose to the occasion at that time? So obviously the main push was on John Cena. And, you know, as a kid, you're kind of like, you know, you get a John Cena t-shirt, you go to the show, you're cheering for him, and then you wonder why some of the older fans aren't as high on him. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, you realize, like, oh, this is just, you know, kind of lame looking back, especially when he got into more of his colorful t-shirt uh -huh. changes. But, um, yeah, I, I will say that the time where I really got back into it when I was about uh, 11 or 12, I'd say, was... Honestly, one of the most interesting periods was when the CM Punk was feuding with John Cena. Mm -hmm. So during his like main money run, and as a kid, I wasn't really noticing everything was going on, but looking back on it and revisiting it, it oh, really, it's just yeah. so juicy and so like you know, just so much realness to it. You know, with the storyline that pipe bomb promo will go down in history as. Just one of the most unbelievable, is it real, is it not type segments. And, you know, it, it's so funny that that era of wrestling has transcended into two companies now, where you have the return of CM Punk in the AEW sphere. At the same time, you have a point that he had brought up every single time that he was making these promos, and that was... John Laurinaitis releasing all of these superstars, mm -hmm. and we are in a, trust me, I know we are, Chris and I are incredibly behind on talking about this, an era of professional wrestling where everybody is being released, yes. and it is a load of hot garbage, and it pisses me off to no level, but that said, that's not what we're talking about, um, you know, the CM Punk era of him turning into this mythical figure. Yes, like this this people's or this champion of the people, but at the same time he went back to his heelish ways and was just as good as he always was. Because the era that I remember the most from CM Punk was the straight edge society era yep. of CM Punk. Um not necessarily when, you know, Big Show unmasked him and he became a mini big show for a few uh days. But the Greasy Charles Manson looking CM Punk, oh, that big beard, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, I, it was brought up on a uh, a cultaholic top 10 that I was listening to of when uh, CM Punk sang happy birthday to uh, Rey Mysterio's daughter and how creepy that was back in the day. Like, and it didn't need you know, to be Undertaker spooky creepy in order to be creepy. It was just like, wow, that is really unsettling watching yeah. him, like, basically just harass this family for no apparent reason whatsoever because he's CM Punk and apparently he can do that. He really was ahead of his time. 
he was. And I mean, now he's back in wrestling. And I've always said that, like, him and Daniel Bryan, or Brian Danielson now, mm. moving over to AEW was like the Hulk Hogan signing that they needed to really take themselves up to the top, obviously. I mean, them being a newer company still, CM Punk's only going to do so much, but like, it is really intriguing. Have you watched any of like the AEW stuff? So from what I've followed with them, uh, I will say that it's more of a, not so much the product that's in it, but the idea of it. Mm -hmm. So you have someone as splashy as CM Punk and Brian Danielson coming over. Those are two guys that the indie community of WWE fans just adore yes. to their dying days. They love them. And so the, the idea that they coming of them coming over, it's not so much reflected in the ratings as it is the idea that we have this alternative and people mm -hmm. get fired up about it. I haven't. Uh, I think I saw the last pay per view where um, it was the last AEW pay per view. I was watching bits and pieces of it, so okay. that that's the most recent I have on it. But it's it's more so that there is an alternative. Yes, there is something other than the big, you know, PG era WWE going into it. So you have something that's got a little more grit to it, and mm -hmm. something that can kind of with the fans who have kind of been pushed away. I think that's really what they're going for with those signings and, yeah. the, and the other uh, big signings. I mean, I, I know a few people who are like, I don't even watch it anymore because now I have this. Yeah. And it's very interesting. It's like when we were growing up, it was always um, TNA, now Impact Wrestling, was always what was supposed to be that competition. I remember when they like had the big signing of Hulk Hogan and yeah. Eric Bischoff and they were like, you know what? Just right then and there, that's our move right there, that we need to uh, compete with the WWE on Monday nights. And that's not what AEW has done. And that's very smart of them. And even Impact is like completely flipped 180 as a company. Um, and with that forbidden door being open uh, for companies to kind of interact with each other. It even happened mm -hmm. with WWE a little bit because mm -hmm. Chris Jericho was on uh, the Broken Skull Sessions podcast, which oh, right. I was thinking about, like setting up the uh, the studio, this like setting it up to see if I can make it kind of look like that, and then we could be like, "Well, let's look at this uh, <laughs> screen over here," uh, you know. But this couch actually was like where I recorded, I think, like the first few uh, episodes of like the relaunch onto this channel for. So I, I have no problem with that. Mm. Um, the table over there where I was going to set it up was like where we actually recorded our first ever podcast. I'll save that for Matt, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like it's very interesting to look back at that time when we were younger. And I remember that I was not allowed to stay up late to watch wrestling. And that is why AJ Styles is my favorite wrestler of all time. And the reason is, is because TNA was running on Spike like mm. random times throughout the day. So yeah. I was like, well, I could just pop this on. It's probably not live or anything like that, but yeah. I can watch some professional wrestling and I I watch this AJ Styles guy uh, you know, wrestle circles around everybody. And I was like, wow, he's really good. Now he's in the WWE and uh, you know, a lot of kind of just random superstars from that era 
have moved into that spot. I mean, Samoa Joe being one of them, unfortunately, they haven't really done a lot with him. Um, but... I think it's, and one last thing about um, Ruthless Aggression. Sure, yeah. So kind of tying back into it. The Ruthless Aggression era was the product of them not knowing what to do after the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. So they're really pushing Triple H, you know, they're really pushing the big guys and the kind of the falling out with it, you know, they released Braun Strowman. But, the, but yeah. when he was going on his run, yeah. they're like, we're just going to do our classic WWE thing that we've always done. Mm-hmm. The biggest, strongest, the most like unbelievable to see guy, we're going to push him hard. But then I think that's really the ruthless ruthless aggression i should say i'm sorry uh bleeding over into the modern era it's just like yeah them they need to capture something that they've never been good at harnessing over for their entire history is pushing smaller guys more athletic guys technicians that's never been the wwf wwe shtick and it's it's funny you should say that because um and it's something that we haven't covered quite yet on here is that during our little break, NXT, which was that, it was, you know, there were bigger guys there, like uh, Keith Lee, mm-hmm. who, oh, God, don't even get me started on how they treated him, or a Karrion Cross, or, um, it, that, gosh, I'm sure that there are other, obviously, big wrestlers that were in that sphere. Um they got away from like that indie darling Adam Cole is the greatest thing in the world. And they're going to possibly be losing both Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano soon. Um, Possibly to AEW. They're already starting to kind of build that up in AEW, but it's just like that was their spot. And that was actually funny enough. What was going against AEW for the longest time? Because that was your most pure wrestling. That was the uh, indie darlings were showing up and popping up there, especially for a while Absolutely. before a lot of these superstars got ruined on the main roster. Not all of them, God. Um, you know, you're gonna see like a, a Bobby Roode is somebody that I think of all the time, um, who they neutered on the main roster. But it's just like when he popped up for the first time, I was like, I remember that guy. Yes. He has short hair now, but I remember that guy. Um, I think he actually did have short hair towards the end in TNA, but not my point. Um, now they're going back into the uh, bigger guys and, you Rock's know, back. Uh, Rock well, Rock even Rock. for NXT now. NXT 2.0 is what they call it. Um, oh, yeah. And it's entirely new now. They're starting to see a changing of the garb. They're, it's funny enough, their War Games match, because um, NXT is where you can experiment and bring back those classic WCW tropes uh, and hopefully do them justice, just mm. because Dusty Rhodes came up with a lot of those. Mm. Um, War Games is going to be the new garb versus your NXT mainstays that stuck around into this new era. And one of them is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time that you probably don't even know about quite yet. His name is Braun Breaker. I don't know if you've heard of Braun Breaker before. He is the son of Rick Steiner. And uh, I will tell you, the dude is the spitting image uh, of Scott Steiner. And it is the greatest thing in the world because for those of you guys who have watched, 
Chris and I have our own league um, on WWE 2K20, which is just hilarious because the ropes go crazy, as you would expect. Uh, and Scott Steiner, Big Papa Pump himself, is our world champion. Um, I, and it's probably because he's the most ridiculous wrestler I've ever seen before in my entire life. But like ridiculous physique. It was well, that's ugh, gross physique in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, the dude's got freaking block arms. I mean, he's not, you know, maybe he'll never appear on my, our show because of that. But we also kind of uh, keep sound bites of him sounding really stupid on here. Uh, but his nephew is like literally him and his brother combined. He wears the singlet and Dang. like he comes out one day and he has a, a microphone in his hand and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear how this guy talks. And he's like this! And he's like, yeah! And I'm like, well, that's Scott Siner right there. Um, yeah, they call him Braun Breaker. I don't know. Uh, but he's one of those guys that now they're pushing hard for. There is a guy who they paired up with uh, they paired up with AJ Styles named Omos who is just a, he is a seven foot tall monster of a man. And again, it's very clear that that's the direction that they're going because Undertaker even was like the sky's the limit for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if he can start to get his stuff together, he's going to be on that main roster run of a lifetime, which I, I do find to be funny that Braun Strowman was one of the guys that they were like, let's give the ax to him. I heard it was actually like, you know, everybody says that this is for budgetary reasons, but he actually was on somewhat of a, larger contract when they released him it's still bad don't yeah. get me wrong like bray wyatt uh, i love bray wyatt just uh mishandled did you see his like firefly funhouse segments i would see him every once in a while loved him i i was just so intrigued every single week i'm like this kid show character is like coming to life on the yeah. screen but at the yeah. same time we grew up with a, an era of wrestling where Sure, it was like it, everybody looked like a bodybuilder, or they looked like a, a freak, and the focus was never on the women's wrestling, even though it's some of the best stuff that we've got. Also true. And um, you know, some of the people who would wrestle circles around everybody are back now, and like you know, we're starting to get that mesh back of women's wrestling actually meaning something again. I think for a while, uh, especially when like last year's Survivor Series. I think it was last year's lana won the match by not even participating in the match she was standing on the steps the entire time but oh. won it by count out like see but but then again bianca belair and sasha banks main event wrestlemania and it's freaking amazing yeah. um but at the same time like you know we were in that era where we had like kali we had umaga uh big show yeah. uh you know all these wrestlers who, whose size, uh, Big Show, I think, is an outlier there. And even Umaga can do things. I think Kali is probably the one that I'm thinking about the most. As yeah. Maybe not the most limber guy in the entire Very world. <laughs> limited uh, move set. He had some of the uh, worst matches that I've ever seen yeah. before in my entire life. And then they relegated him to the Kali kiss cam. And <laughs> man was kissing MILFs all uh, throughout the entire stadium. Yeah, just. Uh, the manifestations of Vince McMahon's mind. Yeah, I have to remember coming to fruition. That's WWE Hall of Famer, great the great Calvin, the great Calvin. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually came across his Instagram, and this is just a side tangent. I mean, the dude's incredibly popular in India, and he was a great ambassador for India. Like, 
don't get me wrong, like when he became world champion, it was such a big deal over there. They did not match that with my boy Ginger, but uh <laughs> still bought his t shirt when he was yeah, here. what was that? What was that uh Okay, that so that, so that was them they were about to go on this well here's the thing, is that like it doesn't and you know what? Let's go into segment number two here. Things that don't work in wrestling. All right, yeah, let's. That's let's that's a created one. one right here because I know our big one is going to be this third segment that we're yeah. talking about. Sure. But things that don't work in wrestling. So I'll explain to you what happened here. So WWE, because it was a little bit farther into your era of wrestling, obviously. But you know, yep. some of us stuck around and were troopers even through that. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> Kali comes in, he's this magnificent force, he can't walk, but, you know, that's besides the point. If he can, you know, do this to your head and squish it enough, then you're fine. Like, yeah. you're going to be a world champion at some point. On the other hand, so, Jinder is a jobber. Yep. You know, in our era of wrestling, towards the end of that ruthless aggression era, the dude makes his debut, and it seems possibly promising at first that he's like, you know, this guy that has control over Kali. And the issue with that is just that Kali isn't as important as he used to be. You know, they stick him in all these joke segments. He gets eliminated by Beth Phoenix by her kissing him, you know, stuff like that from the Royal Rumble. So his career is already on, on off to a great start, right? Then he starts to lose and lose and lose. He joins 3MB and they lose. Eventually he gets released. Man banned. That's right. Eventually he gets released and he he's in that same category as Drew McIntyre but probably not on it as big of a level as him. When he gets released and he becomes Drew Galloway on the independent scene um, and the uh, you know he becomes Impact World Champion at one point he's doing really good things. He's building himself back up. He comes back in way better shape. And it's realistic to think that eventually this guy is now actually going to fit that chosen one mantle that he was given during the Ruthless Aggression era. Funny enough, Jinder had a pretty similar route. I mean, he wasn't... I mean, The dude looks like he's on some form of like a... Joking, obviously, a horse tranquilizer or something like that. Dude's huge, swole. He comes back and he is like in incredible shape. They stick him with this guru gimmick that doesn't work, and he continues to lose. And then out of nowhere, he gets drafted over to SmackDown, and for some reason, he's in this fatal four way for a number one contenders match with Randy Orton for his WWE championship. He's obviously the most unlikely person to win this match. I mean, I think AJ was probably in it. John, uh, John I would almost called him John Moxley, but Dean Ambrose was probably there. Yet, the weirdest thing happens. Jinder Mahal wins this Fatal 4-Way match. I'm like, okay. You know, my cousin and I are like, yeah! Woo! For the love. Oh, for sure. Because we, because like the the funny thing was like always that Kali's uh, brother Ranjit Singh always goes up to Jinder and shakes his hand and he's like, oh my gosh, it's Jinder Mahal, like he's that big of a deal. So I'm like, okay, like yeah, 
Jinder's number one contender. I'm texting my cousin who's not watching it as much. He's like, dude, Jinder? I'm like, Jinder just became number one contender. Do you believe me? No way. And then Jinder wins. Yep. Yep. And there's potential there. Because of the physique. Well, okay. There's no potential there. For someone who was looking in at the time, they're like, man, I remember this guy a few years ago had kind of a doughy look, and now he's got yoked up. Okay, yes. But that's coming from your standpoint. Yes. I am still watching, and I'm watching gender, again, lose and lose and lose. But SmackDown is the land of opportunity. So I'm like, okay, maybe they, like, stick him in this match. He loses, and they start to actually build him up, right? Give him a path. You got you to gotta have a path in wrestling. You know, then he wins. And we're like, what? Turns out WWE is going on a tour of India soon, and they need a little. And bit they of that. think that Mr. Canadian over there, he's Canadian, is going to, uh, you know, bring up the revenue. Listen, I'm all for new people, like fresh faces, to eventually win the championship and stuff. That said, I'm thinking like an NXT champion or something like that, or. You know, an up and comer, maybe give another world championship to my boy Dolph Ziggler. Uh, not Jinder Mahal. And you know, it, it's funny because like Muhammad Hassan, I don't know if you remember Muhammad Hassan. He gets this like very interesting gimmick where he is an Arabic American who's Italian, funny enough. Yep. Uh, he's an Arabic American who is, you know, it's a social commentary gimmick, but it's about, you know, how uh, people are being treated after 9-11. And then eventually they go the terrorist route, which is just not good. Walking on eggs. It was, it was, you know, Muhammad Hassan is a all about timing. If it was live on Raw, it probably wouldn't have been viewed as good and tasteless, but at least, you know, they could make up. Instead, it airs the same day as the London bombings, blah, blah, blah. We all know the history of that, obviously. Many what, what culture and... It, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Wrestling with regret videos later. Uh, I know the entire uh, Muhammad Hassan story. Like yeah. And my point before, obviously, I pass it off to you, is gender is like... Gender is given this gimmick where, you know diversity and how nobody's accepting diversity and it's like fair i mean he do, does have two henchmen who are helping him win his matches which is stupid because you know that's just a trope of wrestling he's like having somebody a heel has somebody else do all the, the dirty work for him yeah you know there was one point again. where the sing brother gets thrown over the entire announce table and you get to see randy orton's face is like whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh but but the same thing happens, and it's on a very much lesser scale, obviously. You know, a, a, a tragic event does not happen to derail Jinder's push, and it really doesn't even derail, this doesn't even derail Jinder's push. The reason why he loses his championship is because Brock Lesnar doesn't want to face against him for Survivor Series, mm-hmm. so they give the title to AJ again. Mm-hmm. 
loved it, obviously, for an AJ fan standpoint. But they stick him in this feud with Shinsuke Nakamura, which would have been a perfect lead into a Nakamura World Championship run. But not only do you make him lose, which is a cardinal sin number one, but you also have him making fun of the fact that he's Japanese, which is completely defying the purpose of this gimmick that you're giving him. It's just Jinder's run as world champion was a disaster. I don't know. Adam Blapier did a rebooking of it. That made a little bit more sense. The mid. And I felt a little bit better about it after watching that, obviously. But, you know, I mean, that's the whole mess of that. This was really strange. So what was a, and I will say that they're trying to push. So they bring Jinder back with two new henchmen type characters, Veer and Shanky. Shanky, yeah. Shanky, now uh, during the draft, Veer gets drafted to Raw. Shanky gets drafted to SmackDown with Jinder, and Shanky is still with Jinder. But I'll tell you, man, WWE has a tendency to drop name, last names of people or first names of people and just call them by one name, Antonio Cesaro, Alexander Rusev. Yep. They gave Veer a last name. You think, and they keep running this exact same promo for him every single week on Monday Night Raw. The memes that I've been creating about this have just been like, like fair. you know, we signed, uh, like, what, what has AEW done this week? Well, let's run a Veer Bahad uh, <laughs> promo instead. I really hope that the WWE has something for this guy because Ruthless Aggression star Kazarni had. Uh, vignettes run for like six months won his first match against mvp gets eliminated from some battle royal and is never shown again so like i really hope that they actually have plans for veer and like my memes are just like but more than likely oh god probably gonna give him the boot i and you know i never wish obviously that anybody loses their job but i'm just curious as to like what's going to end up happening with this guy because it's just very bizarre that they keep running these promos every single week like he wasn't just paired up with Jinder Mahal as some henchman you know what I mean so okay so what was a a a a wrestling blunder we'll call it for you well as a person who has kind of dipped back and forth with my interests I will say that probably the biggest blunder I'll give him of the end of the 2010s, start of the 2020s, was um, just the whole uh, crown jewel fiasco with the Undertaker matches with Goldberg and Undertaker (laughs) matches with Undertaker and Kane versus uh, DX one last time. And just the way that they just kind of ruined the legacy of the... What are you talking about? That match doesn't exist (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to bring it up. Oh, come on. But no, as someone who's kind of, I'm kind of just peeking back in every once in a while <laughs> to see on YouTube or something that just, the 100% across the board, this shouldn't have happened. Why has this happened? <laughs> and, like, you know, casual fans don't like it. And they're really, it's just the ultimate cash grab. And it's just like, I get it that it's Crown Jewel. And Crown Jewel has to be the big, like, there's got to be big names and sexy, you know, Tyson Fury and Kane Velasquez was there and all that stuff. And there's all these fireworks and it's, it's awesome. It's probably one of the best like stages that they have with all the fireworks displays, but just the fact that you're like doing this to the undertaker, man, and you're doing this to Kane, you're doing this to Shawn Michaels, like this, 
so disrespectful, so like it just makes you feel gross. It just makes you want to take a shower and the, just that, scrub the filth up for you. You know, you, you have to there there are wrestlers who speak out against going there and there are wrestlers. So you know that's already an issue on its own. And then those matches, man. Like, first of all, we don't talk about that one. You know, Goldberg and Undertaker might have killed each other by the time that that match ended. Goldberg was so damn concussed by the time that finished. I'm pretty sure they beat his head against the wall or something like that beforehand, which, you know, Bill, you're a thousand years old, sir. Every single time that you come back onto my TV, I cringe because I know that I, I think that, listen, when Drew McIntyre faced against him at WrestleMania and was it WrestleMania? No. Maybe. Was that a SummerSlam? Yes. Thank you. I was like, oh, God, please don't beat him for the WWE Championship. And then he did. Oh, no, it was WrestleMania. Yeah, Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. Because mm. we I remember we were watching that match. Like, mm. oh, shit. They're going to do what they did to The Fiend, to uh, Goldberg, or to Drew McIntyre, and he's going to lose. And it's going to suck. And instead, short, fine yeah. enough match. You know, he wasn't going to kill him like he almost killed the other Tiger. Have you watched the uh, greatest Royal Rumble? <sighs> nothing much Nothing much to say from it. <laughs> we So that's something that we're possibly going to do on this channel because I, uh, I, when the network was the network, before I got transferred over to Peacock and, you know, they started to, like, neuter it, I, I didn't enjoy the network for what it was. Um, because, and I still think this is on Peacock, don't get me wrong. Uh, I really haven't looked. But I remember I went back and started to just watch episodes of Raw and SmackDown from, like, when we were younger. I was like, wow, this is, like, really cool. Why haven't I been doing this this entire time? Yeah. Um, but instead, I also watched the Greatest Royal Rumble match. All the way through. It's so interesting because they pulled out all of the stops for this match, gave it a meaningless title, a meaningless trophy. They still, for some reason, put it into the factoids when it comes to Royal Rumble matches, which it should not. Oh. Because it didn't mean anything. Like, if Braun Strowman was going to, like, get an opportunity afterwards, it would be great. Mm. And instead he wins, and he wins a green WWE championship or something like that. And it's really, really bizarre. But, like, they, they I know that they, they wanted specific things for the match. Like, very, very particular specific things the Crown Prince wanted. One of them was Yokozuna. Oh. Long passed away. <laughs> so out of nowhere, the sumo wrestler guy who nobody's ever heard of shows up. <laughs> they have NXT guys, like backstage guys that nobody's ever heard of before show up in this match. Like Whoa. it was it was just weird. And then Braun Strowman wins it and it means absolutely nothing. And they're probably never gonna do it again. Cause it was like what was it like sixty it was a 60-man match? Something like that? I think it was like 50 or 60. Yeah. Or... Like, they've tried 40 before for the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And it's funny because you think that... I would call this another blunder probably because Alberto Del Rio won the match. Uh, but great person, Alberto. Um, 
just that match alone. Did, they didn't really pull out all the stops necessarily for it that they could have. Uh, you know, that was the Royal Rumble that everybody looks back to in like the top 10 greatest returns of all time. Uh, and Kevin Nash's Diesel comes out. Uh, and, you know, we get one of those ah! reactions from uh, Jerry Lawler that <laughs> always end up happening. Um, oh, my gosh. It's so, you know, I love Royal Rumble returns. You know, the ones from last year seemed a bit more meaningful, like when Christian and Edge appeared in the Royal Rumble together for, like, one last time, clearly, because he went to AEW. Yeah. Um, but, man, uh, I'll tell you, like, there have been so many blunders with the WWE. I, I think just to, to put a cap on it, just I know guys go broke. I know guys, you know, think they still got it. I know guys kind of get back in shape, you know, like Edge did. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'd say Edge, you know, is probably like the best that can go. But when it's time to hang him up, it's time to hang him up. You can't. And the problem with that is with um, Vince McMahon being overseer of things, he's himself is this type of person who is still kind of got that vision of what he can manufacture and what he can kind of book into something. Yeah. And so you kind of just got to, when it's time to cut it off, cut it off, and just put them in a even what I'm seeing like on Instagram with like Ric Flair, and he kind of is like being ostracized for some of his past stuff. Like, you can put someone in a managerial role and bring them back for like a guest commentary or bring them in that, but it seems like they never do that. With there needs to be like a legends program where they can say, like, Look, we're not going to bring you back for a match, but we can bring you back to you know, be someone's manager or something, but they just never, they never know how to just take that and hold on to it. And I agree. At the same time, here, here's my thing with that, is nothing from afar, every single time that I, like, see, like, Brock Lesnar come back, although, you know, it's a little different now. He's kind of uh, got his uh, weird onion look. Different look. <laughs> um, uh, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, at least with this Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar feud, it's like they're on different sides. And it's like, different with Brock. It's very, it's very different with Brock. Brock is because a freak athlete. He's always going to, you know, have that revered look from fans. But, well, and, and like I, but they tried to get sick and, and tired of Brock coming back. And then I was at a live show that Brock was at. Holy shit, it's Brock Lesnar! Um, like that music hits, and you're like, yeah! yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's all about our reaction. Like when Goldberg squashed Brock at Survivor Series, freaking out. That was the issue, was that everybody was like, oh my gosh! Oh my Which meant that Vince was like, oh, this is what they want! <laughs> it's like, this is it! And that, it was not. That was probably the most gas that he had left in the tank and then he was, was like five let me do this for three years or however oh long he's been and it's still crazy involved because with it. every single time that he comes back you are worried that he he might win a championship and he he actually does have one of my favorite moments of all time 
I play that on the show way too many times. That's it literally would... what he chanted. That's what his rebuttal was when the fans were chanting CM Punk Louis Vuitton there once. It's just, oh yeah, I hear that! Um, yeah. But, yeah, Brock is a different beast. That's his nickname. He's a beast. Yeah. Uh, but, like, at the same time, it's just like, I don't want to ever see Undertaker wrestle another match. Yeah. Um, you know, Triple H maybe is a little bit different. But Shawn Michaels, I never want to see come back. If I, if I'm seeing Triple H, the only way I'm seeing Triple H is, you know, let's say AEW starts to really take off with this new roster they've assembled. I only want to see the Triple H versus Dwayne Johnson <laughs> coming back. That's the only thing I want to. And I know it sounds casual, and I know it sounds corny, but I don't need to see them versus anyone else because that's. The only thing that makes sense for them business-wise to do is to kind of have those two blow it off. That's my theory, is that they're releasing all these superstars so they can afford to uh, bring, bring Rock back, back for Dwayne one Johnson. match. Which, they're teasing right now. They are teasing Roman Reigns and The Rock. But what what are you looking for? Where What are you seeing when Goldberg does another match? He, he wants him to do Spear. He wants him to do Jackhammer. You want to see him, you know, with the walk. But you re- need to realize, people, that <laughs> you can't be doing that anymore. You've seen it enough. Just let it go. That's my point. Oh, I to... I agree. And, and like, uh, I, I'll ask you this. Is there a wrestler that you want to see back like that? Just for one more match. Put you on the spot. One more. Bring back Rick. Oh my, did you see that? You put like some guy in the, the leg lock? On yeah. Instagram. It's just, it's, it's depressing. You know, you don't want to see that, but he's freaking broke. You know, he's doing like cameos and shit for like 200 bucks. And Man. Such a revered person, but just such a poorly wasted finances. There's, you know, I, I will say that like, the issue is, is that there was a, uh, a cameo that we had received from Taylor, uh, host of Really Scared on Thursday, um, who bought us a Mick Foley cameo. Mm. And we were, it was the holiday season and he was a guest on the show. And we were about to talk about uh, Santa's sleigh, which is the Goldberg horror Santa Claus movie that actually exists. and um, highly recommend it. It's fucking ridiculous. Mm. But um, we, uh, he, he he bought us this cameo about like because we were reviewing like you know Christmas holiday themed things that happened, and uh, one of them was like when Alberto Del Rio accidentally hit Santa Claus as a face. Very weird moment. Uh, but um, you know he was debating as to like. Who would win in a match, Santa Claus versus Mankind and stuff like that mm. for us. So, like, there are fun uses of it. But at the same time, you know why Ric Flair is on there. Because he just wants that money. Yeah. And, like, you know, Mick Foley is always that guy. You're like, oh, maybe one more match so he can do some crazy stuff. I mean, Edge was always that guy for me, probably. I will say that. When and Daniel Bryan was always that guy for me. When you got those two, like, still going at, at it, it was mm-hmm. pretty that, I think that was a good thing for just the their legacies. Yes. 
because you know the ultimate career's ending way too early. You know, do I need Edge? Uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson could easily win another world title in his time with AEW. Like he's within that age range. Do I need Edge to win another? No. Would I mind? No. I mean, like, his Royal Rumble win was really bizarre when it happened. We were watching it live. We were live streaming it for the show. And um, we were like, really? Like, somebody actually predicted that Randy Orton was going. Randy Orton and Bianca Belair, sorry, Edge and Bianca Belair were going to win the Royal Rumbles. This uh, person who uh, doesn't watch as much anymore, but he was like live co- uh, commenting with us and stuff like that. And he predicted both Royal Rumbles. Edge came out at one. Yeah. I'm sitting there like, wow, that really happened. But uh, but that's besides the point. You know, we're talking about some of our favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah. That is going to move us on to spot number three, where we talk about our Mount Rushmore's and some of our favorite wrestlers of all time. So this was why. Welcome to spot three. Spot three. This is this was what Joe wanted to come onto the show to talk about. Um, so I, I take it that you've been thinking about this for a while. I am thinking about this. I'll find myself, you know, taking a shit, and I'm just like, man, who are the greatest? Who, who are the greatest? The wrestlers? greatest careers, the greatest top to bottom. And yeah. it's funny you say that because I was once going. I like that looks like the Rock. Hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look at this. I'm like, is that my favorite rapper, The Rock? Oh wow. Okay. You know, let's let's talk about we're talking about tarnishing legacies. The Rock coming out with a rap song is just you know <laughs> one of the greatest things for his. Pretty pretty on par for the, the Rock. The fact that he will not stop talking about it just pisses me off. There, but that's besides the point. We have four wrestling heads that we need to engrave into a giant rock form. And yes. who do you have as your first head? All right, so we got Santino Morella, Zack Ryder. <laughs> Santino Morella, <laughs> Zack Ryder again. <laughs> hey, don't hit on my boy Matt. I love that. Matt Cardona, if you ever want to be on the show, I will make sure that this guy is on here. Yeah, this <laughs> um, is probably my one time for the next two years on, on the pod, so... Uh, Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> but that, so this is probably like an Anna Blompier video or something. Or he did like a top 10 or something, or the whole fucking show. Well, mm-hmm. You know, those guys. Oh my gosh. Probably some of my funniest YouTube videos ever. They, they took it a little too far. Well, Kevin took it a little <laughs> bit too far at times. I will never, I will never blame uh, his, his co host, Ryan Van Ryan Van Yeah. But. I used to just the little snippets that they had. Uh, oh, for sure. Don't get me wrong. There was some Every funny once in a while, stuff, just... and then he like there's this one. Well, yeah, I hear that actually came from me watching your show way too much because yeah. there was an entire episode. There's two episodes that come to mind. Not to sidetrack it, but no, that no. one and uh, the one where Bobby Roode's entrance comes out for the first time because it's my favorite wrestling entrance of all time. Like if I win in a game of Uno, I start to play Glorious Domination, but. He's like, Glorious, this is my dick, this is my dick. And he just loves that song way too much, and they made like an entire episode about it. But yeah, no, I do think that they did a uh, wrestling 
I think they so they revisited it every couple of years or so. Yeah. And then they like who's kind of done some shit to take themselves off of it or whose legacy really is rising, mm-hmm. so to speak. So um but yeah, so what they said was and this is the way I agree with it is okay. if you're gonna have a Mount Rushmore, you think about the president on Mount Rushmore. Like it's really just people that you just without a doubt you need there. Like it's just I get that there's like some dumb shit that kind of falls into it and there's like some things that there's some tough pills you're gonna have to swallow mm-hmm. when you're accepting someone's career, like because you know they need money or they have got pushed in some weird way or they were given some awkward material to work with. Like you're gonna have to do that. But when you're talking about Mount Rushmore, like these are the four guys that W any wrestling promotion has. You know, it doesn't have to just be WWE. But um yeah. Okay. That's that's my view on it. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. As a casual fan person. Okay. So who do you have on who let's let's start off with you our go like one and one? We could go one on one. Yeah. What, like we'll take all right. So for me personally, if I'm gonna have the first the George Washington, mm-hmm. so to speak, it's gotta be the Undertaker. Yes, without question. He's I I will lead. admit that if I hear something that you have uh, obviously doubled on with me, I will just join in on your commentary. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. So why Undertaker? So the Undertaker because we talked about the matches that are to be spoken of, <laughs> but the thing is the matches that are to be spoken of. Yes. You talk about WrestleMania twenty, the match where. Him and Triple H, Shawn Michaels, guest referee, is probably probably the greatest just build up and revisiting it. You know, it's 50 minutes, hell in a cell. It's, you know, the end of an era push, so to speak. Yeah. I always resonated with that more than the the Rock versus John Cena once in a lifetime push. <laughs> I always thought the end of an era was a much cooler idea because, you know, when they're coming out for the entrances, it's probably the best Undertaker entrance. And Triple H looks freaking sick. And you're just watching, and you're just like, man, this is this is as good as it gets, you know. Like, two guys, you know, not that their physiques matter, but just two guys that are just huge freaks of nature, and they're just, and the fact that the Undertaker for thirty years is just the main. He's always got his presence is always felt, and he doesn't need to have sixteen world championship runs or however many world championship runs his. He's just always there, and the way that he was selectively chosen on who he was going to feud with and who he was going to, how he was going to be presented on SmackDown. It's like you're going one on one with the Undertaker, <laughs> <laughs> and just the the fact that you have this person who put so much into the business, and I know like the handling of him what towards the end might have not been the best, but yeah, he just really. If you're looking at a career that for someone who just really put the work in and deserves it, I'd say the Undertaker number one. Well, and, and you know, and I agree. Like, I can't not put the Undertaker on this list. And uh, it, it's interesting that you say, you know, the matches that are not supposed to be uh, spoken of because Chris and I, we did a, uh, somebody did a March Madness like bracket. Of mm. all of the Undertaker's WrestleMania matches, because I think that it like okay. fit perfectly, or not WrestleMania matches, like greatest matches of all time. Mm. Um, because like even like a 
match that I had forgotten about, which was like the six pack Armageddon Hell in a Cell match that they had right. was on there. Um, which was awesome, but like I, I didn't have it. I had the Undertaker's Royal Rumble win mm. going incredibly far on there, and I don't remember my exact reason why, but one of the matches that was highly debated as to what well, was his one of his last was this match against the uh the AJ Styles is now apparently what I'm calling yep. him. Like Lee Brian Kendrick, former WWE champion. <laughs> uh I think of it as that. But whatever. Um that's actually my number two is Lee Brian Kendrick. Um no, I'm just kidding. Uh but like AJ Styles versus Undertaker in a cinematic match. Don't get me wrong. It yep. is a cinematic match, but it's such a great way for the Undertaker to end his career. Yeah. Because at the same time, you're seeing Biker Undertaker again. Feels more like Mark Calloway is just trying to end his career. So, you know, I mean, obviously those money-grubbing matches are not good for a person's legacy. But that said, you know, the streak was so important. Uh, Edge versus Undertaker growing up was one of the it, it made me respect edge more than i think that i i love the undertaker even though i will admit that i was out for like ice cream once with my uh, aunt and cousin and i was very new to wrestling mm. and we're like sitting there talking and then i don't know if my aunt or my cousin brought up like ooh, who's gonna win batista versus undertaker at wrestlemania and i'm like oh batista and then Obviously, I didn't know what the streak was at that point, but that is just so, you know, for a person to be indoctrinated into wrestling, you're watching this like, holy crap, like, this guy's won every single match that he's ever been in at WrestleMania, and it's meant something most of the time. We think about you, Giant Gonzalez. Uh, And uh, Big Boss Man. There's a lot of those in the streak, the mythical push of the streak. But, like, you know, Undertaker always brought towards the end of the streak always brought something incredibly interesting out of the feud that was coming absolutely uh cm punk's feud with the undertaker you know it it will always be debated as to who should have ended it um you know for me bray wyatt would have probably been my best bet but Mm -hmm. would we have ever gotten the fiend who's one of my favorite characters of all time if not i don't know um but, you know, like, Undertaker's legacy was so important. And I completely agree with that spot as uh, being on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. So who's your number two? Let's see if we agree on this one. Um, so for number two, I will have to say that for in terms of wrestling reaches the highest highs that it ever did. And not that I experienced this directly, but as a person who appreciates the history of it. I got to go with Stone Cold. Okay. Stone Cold, and from his run, his <laughs> golden, golden years in the mid-90s when he becomes Stone Cold Steve Austin instead of stunning Steve Austin. And uh, the ringmaster, the ringmaster, his name's. I think he's a pretty that, so stunning Steve Austin. To the, to the early 2000s when he has his, you know, farewell match at WrestleMania. And to me, I know that it's almost, it's kind of similar to how people talk about Michael Jordan, where people mm-hmm. don't talk about Michael Jordan's first, like, eight years where he was didn't win any championships or his last years with the Wizards. They talk about the six 
prime years, you know? So yeah. It's absolutely. kind of similar with Steve Austin. You have these juicy six to eight year period where you're just, I'm going in, I'm going hard as anyone has ever pushed it to the highest highs. I'm taking this higher than Hulk Hogan did. I'm taking it higher than Bret Hart did. I'm taking the torch essentially from Bret Hart. I'm, and you just have someone who's just so, a character that is one of a kind, a character that resonated with people, a character that really changed the mold of what the anti-hero should be of someone who's going against authority and everything. And something that I think will never be created, recreated again yeah. with that, with his, uh, with his run. So I, I'll say that Stone Cold Steve Austin would be my number two head on the Mount Rushmore. And I will agree that Chili McFreeze is on, another uh, one of his names. <laughs> and he's on that list for me too. I mean, how can you not put Stone Cold Steve Austin on there? You know, it's debatable uh, for me, and I'll even just spoil that I don't have The Rock on there. Um, okay. It, it's debatable for me as to it, let's just think about the eras of wrestling. Like the Attitude Era is defined by The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and if you're pulling. Um, whose impact is even more important because you would think that The Rock would be the greatest rival of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he's really not. Um, the Attitude Era does not happen without Stone Cold Steve Austin and that glass-shattering entrance. And even so, you hear that glass-shattering entrance today, and you know you're in for something. Yes. Um, and the same thing goes for The Rock. Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, it was before the days of the RKO out of nowhere, it was a stunner out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he even did things as a, he even morphed his character as a heel into um, different things. And, you know, everybody, everybody when it comes to wrestling has something outside of their life that impacts them in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, I wonder if he was never dropped on his neck by Owen you know, if his career would have even gone even higher. Yeah. And, you know, because when when you're talking about, like, the greatest wrestlers of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin has to be on there. Of course. You know, they, they, there's no debate that he's in that top five. I think, personally, that there are a million different cases as to why he should be number one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's why he was just so important and really... Really, I mean, he was Jack, don't get me wrong, but, like, he had a different vibe to him going into that era. That another person on my Mount Rushmore, and I'll explain when I get to him, uh, is, you know, he had this different look about him. He had this different vibe about him. He makes us as fans clamor. For something like him to be exactly. in wrestling again, exactly because it doesn't always have to be so damn cookie cutter. Yep. So, okay, number three. So, if I have to go with number three, I think this is where we might start differing a bit because okay. those two, Undertaker and Stone Cold, are kind of kind of gimmies. I personally am going to go with Shawn Michaels. Okay. HBK. We are different. All right. I don't know if I put in three or four. I know that. Undertaker won Stone Cold 2, but for me, the fact that Shawn Michaels, we don't talk about certain matches. We don't talk about the fact that, you know, every, in his heyday, he was missing 
two or three years because of injuries or, mm. you know, drug rehab or anything like that. But just the fact that he basically has, in my eyes, the type of career that's the first of a kind. Mm. You know, you have coming out of the 80s, you have the Hulk Hogan's, the Macho Marin's Savage. You have these gigantic physique guys and the guys that jump off the top ropes are mid carters Mm -hmm. and so Shawn michaels took that to new heights of someone who's not huge someone who's not tall someone who is athletic someone who can but also kind of he gave it his own taste he made i know dx was the response to the nwo but he still could cut a promo and do all these you know things that kind of just make you tune in and before that he was the first of his era to do that he was the first smaller guy and you know i'd put sweet chin music right up there with you know the greatest finishing moves that get people excited for you know with the with the stunner and with um you know rock bottom or the any of those great moves and um he really and kind of tying back into what I said earlier with The Undertaker, that, that string of matches, WrestleMania 25, mm-hmm. 26, and then his involvement in 28 with um, as a referee in the end of an era match, that those are just like, you look at those in a golden telescope. Like, yeah. this is like the purest form of, if we're going to have veterans, you know, going out on top, this is how we could we should do it. Yeah. It doesn't shake out that way. Right. But you just look at it and you're just like, this is perfection at its finest. You know, amazing matches. You know, Shawn Michaels would be someone who I think if they were going to end the streak before they did, he would be one of probably two or three guys worthy of doing it, I'd say. Showstopper, man. And so. That's why they called him that. And then also one of my favorite matches of all time, um, Ric Flair's retirement match. Mm-hmm. Just such a. Something where you have this, you know, 60-year-old man going against this uh, quick, much quicker guy and guy who's still somewhat in his prime. And you're like, the way that he's able to make this match work, like, you know. It's you believe that Shawn Michaels so lose this match. You know? There is a little bit of the old school in that, you know, with the way that they were going at it. I was just like, man, these two, like, just two titans. And that's another Golden Telescope match where you're just like, yeah, this is. Exactly how Ric Flair's career ended. It definitely wasn't. Uh. <laughs> there wasn't anything after that. And then he just became, you know, he just worked as Carlos manager after that. But just such an icon to me, and such an icon of my childhood, and before my even before my time, looking back at some of his older matches, and then even the stuff at the end of the eighties. You know, the Razor Ramon ladder match, WrestleMania ten, so like revolutionary. Right, like game-changing stuff, you know? You're seeing a match that kind of they, they didn't have back then, you know? Really well, taking them into the, the 90s and beyond. And and I'm glad that we differ because obviously that just creates a conversation. And Shawn oh, yeah, Michaels no, was not on agreeing. my list. I mean, Shawn Michaels was not on my list. I love Shawn Michaels growing up. I remember that I wrote a letter to a pen pal that I had to have between schools uh, when I was over at Center. Um, and, like... I put on that like John Cena and Shawn Michaels were like my favorite wrestlers. Yep. I'm like, these are my favorite wrestlers if you give a shit. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Undertaker had the streak. 
but he wasn't Mr. WrestleMania. Ooh. You know, like Shawn Michaels starts his WrestleMania career off, although, I mean, obviously there were matches before that, but the one that you really recognize him for is this ladder match that he did not win. Yep. So here's my third. Here's the deal. I will be honest with you. I don't like the guy that much, but I can respect what he brought to the industry. I don't like his run in the WWE, but Hulk Hogan is on my Mount Rushmore because of what he did in the WWE. Don't get me wrong. Like, WWE would not be what it is today without Hulk Hogan. Ignore the backstage stuff that I cannot say. Like, for the life of me, I cannot stand how he's like, oh, well, I want to win this match. Well, here's, here's the thing, Terry. Terry, <laughs> is that we're not going to book you in this match like this. And he's like, well, actually, you are. Because I am a hair curtain. And yeah, and then, like, you know, he ends up being booked in this match and blah, blah, blah. He was the first Super Cena ever in existence. And it's the most annoying thing in the entire world. And I can't stand it. That's it. And it's what we're clamoring for now. He brought on the era of the first ever competition to the wwe and we are spanning this outside of the wwe for a reason you know i i should have antonio anoki on my list i don't really know enough about anoki but mm-hmm. i know how important like new japan is and how important he was to the wrestling industry and he is a hall of famer for a reason mm-hmm. but let's just think about this from the standpoint of hulk hogan terry b as my cousin and i call him <laughs> He brought his heel turn was so monumental that it brought on an era of wrestling that the WWE not only needed to change for, but it was the first ever real competition for the WWE Empire. If they end up, or if the if WCW obviously does not exist, so be it. But if WWE or WCW does not exist, and the Monday Night Wars don't happen and Hulk Hogan does not turn heel because they tried at first to bring him in as this as what he was in the WWE. Yep. You know, uh, he he has all these creative ideas that worked in his heyday because obviously they were new and they were fresh. Yep. And he brings in the Renegade, which is not the Ultimate Warrior, brother. Uh, and uh, Eventually, he brings in Warrior, and he brings in Macho Man. He brings in all these people, but his heel turn. Mm. The NWO. Uh, Though the NWO eventually is the reason why WCW, in my opinion, doesn't exist anymore. It was their prime. It was. If if WCW, NWO does not work, we will probably never realistically see a company like AEW do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. because at that point nobody is going to believe if WCW fails just like that with as much money as it, because there are if you go into the wrestling with regret library of things there are so many freaking matches or companies that tried to start up before WCW in the wake of WCW and after WCW and we would not have had realistic competition because they all failed. 
one of them turned into TNA, but like they all failed. And we wouldn't have this if Hulk Hogan doesn't change wrestling. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't exist because realistically WWE goes in that direction of continuing to book the way that they do. And I, you know, and and then Hulk Hogan comes back and, you know, the NWO comes back to the WWE and it doesn't really last very long, but the icon versus icon match of the rock versus Hulk Hogan is not even the main event. You think that that's the main event of the show, the way people talk about it, Yep. but it's not. And though it does bring back real American Hulk Hogan and blah, 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 yeah. But, and does the power surge of Hulk Hogan eventually, again, lead to the WCW downfall? Well, that and uh, and uh, my boy Eric Bischoff, not Eric Bischoff. Why am I drawing a blank as to uh, Vince Russo? Yeah, uh. the reason for the WCW. Because that world championship changes hands so many times over and over again within the span of it ending but you know like i said hulk hogan might have been wcw's downfall but if it did not peak and eventually top wwe mm-hmm. nobody in their right mind is going i'm going to be the one to defeat wwe in the ratings i'm going to be the one to defeat wwe in the ratings it just probably wouldn't feel as realistic if hulk hogan did not turn heel and so i would have never done i agree career. with you on that you don't have to like someone to have them be on your mouth. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You, you really just need to say, like, look, if you're going to write the book of wrestling, and you're going to write the book of wrestling in North America, especially, mm-hmm. you're going to have it where we have, there's going to be some douchebags. There's going to be some people who are doing some unnecessary behind the scenes stuff. But you really just need to say, like, look, this is, this person is not just, the book of wrestling their paragraph one they are well exactly and like on the present you know wcw hulk hogan doesn't happen and sting does not become the popular vigilante wrestler that he does which eventually he and jeff jarrett and kurt angle and aj styles and samoa joe build tna up and eventually you know they try and compete with the wwe it's like nobody would have really realistically thought that they could compete with WWE if NWO Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan does not happen. Mm-hmm. And that is why Hulk Hogan is my number three. Like I said, I don't love the guy. No, that's and, a very, and at the end very of the day. Pick. It's like, I, I, yeah, okay, so who is your fourth Mount Rushmore, even though I know exactly who it is? Who is it then? If it's fun. sorry, who is your fourth Mount Rushmore and why is it Ric Flair? <laughs> so you do know. <laughs> I'm going to break this down okay. in the most mature way possible. Woo! Other than loving Ric Flair on my dying day. And listen, that <laughs> totally was not the reason why I said that. I think that. So look at my picks up to this point. Under, he's, and this is pretty much WWE happening. Like this is, yeah, yeah. this is like kind of just looking at it from American icons, so to speak. So Undertaker, forty years through 
many eras through mm-hmm. every era up until just a few years ago. You got Stone Cold through the heat years of the late 90s to the early 2000s, that prime attitude era, the defining figure. You got Shawn Michaels, who's kind of started off in the end of the 80s and jumping back in for points for various reasons through the 2000s, you know, um, great matches towards the end of the 2000s, approaching the 2010s. And then you got Ric Flair. Say what you want about the kooky old man and his last, you know, however many years, which, you know, it's it's sad to see. But if you, th- if you talk about someone who was the era before the era before us, like, right. you know, the fans that were growing up, they were the ones who were learning about Ric Flair later on. But then you have someone who still even comes back in the 2000s with evolution as a stable yeah. and as a wrestler who they would still go to and then had his run in the 90s as at wcw where he would still be go to and then the, he had you know the dream match with hulk hogan wasn't what it turned out to be in wcw but still just the fact that you have these two titans of the industry looking eye to eye but i'm taking it by era and i'm taking it by before wrestling became what it was with the birth of wwf like he was the guy before that and he was it really does kind of boil down to the fact that you're looking at someone and you're wiping away the bullshit you're wiping away you know the the thing and you just have like a fascinating figure you just have someone who you know not the biggest you know was a borderline alcoholic so his body wasn't the greatest but he's just so like revolutionary and that you have someone who's not i'm not the good guy i'm not the bad guy i'm just i'm what you want to be I'm the guy you're envious and you just real crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you got the look and you got it really just is so and the fact that anytime someone chops someone what do they say they say woo they say right. four times in a row they say woo woo you know getting smacked on the chest Something as simple as that is eternally linked to Ric Flair. You know, Charlotte put someone in the leg lock. That's her emulating Ric Flair. Like, yeah. his his presence is forever felt, no matter how much he tries to fuck up his own legacy. You know, anytime someone, you know, John Cena's whole run trying to get one more world championship is based on that. Right. 16-time world champion. And, you know, you, you have someone who's just, I wish that they could have just taken taken him and just put him in an elder statesman. Like, this is all you're ever going to be, and you're going to come in for once every once in a while. They tried to do it at the Triple H versus Batista match, you know, and they're kind of trying to get the evolution back a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it at WrestleMania. They're trying to, like, trying to bring it back, but, you know, the guy's too fucking old, like, and he can't fucking move. So you, you want to do it because it's, like, a nice moment. But the way that I see it, like, just... You just have someone who, before all these, the three that I listed and also Hulk Hogan that you listed, like, before you put him in there, he was the guy who was doing it before then. And really kind of, before all the territories um, absolved into one, he was changing the game. I agree. I agree. And also, I love him. My, I love everyone on my Mount Rushmore. 
I don't have any people who well, are. That's why my fourth is Booker <laughs> T. No, I'm just kidding. I love Booker T. He is always in my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, not on my list. I'm looking at this as when was wrestling its most important? Mm-hmm. And it was the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Which is why Undertaker was on my list. Which is why Stone Cold was on my list. Which is why Hulk Hogan is on my list. But the reason why the WWE wins it back, the reason why WCW goes to the ground, and the reason why WCW is absorbed into the WWE is why Vincent Kennedy McMahon is on my list. Now, it is very important. You know, we could literally go into the history of Vincent Uh, McMahon. Blah, 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 blah. Let's ignore the crap. Uh, we all know why Vince McMahon is one of the most important wrestler figures in the entire world. Let's look at the most important thing. Who was the Stone Cold Steve Austin's greatest rival? It was not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It was not Mankind. It was Vince McMahon. And heel Vince McMahon, you know, he was a great commentator. That was the position that his dad put him in. That was all we ever thought possibly was going to be put into. He eventually evolved with wrestling in order to now can i sit here on this couch with you right now mano e mano and say that vince mcmahon isn't ruining the company right now with some of the decisions that he's making sure but vince mcmahon if vince mcmahon does not make the decision to go from commentator to authority figure wwe might not exist anymore because wcw might have taken them down if Vince McMahon does not become the greatest heel of all time to the greatest face of all time, WWE would not realistically exist anymore. Because And it wouldn't be looked at in such... The, the Attitude Era wouldn't be looked at in such a pristine light. Exactly. As the prime because era. The Rock is great. And, you know, he can cut a promo... Literally in its sleep. I'm not going to lie. But my point is, is that, like, think about it. If Vince McMahon does not become a heel, the authority figure, the higher power. It was me, Austin. Ah, son of a bitch. That's the best part of that entire segment is (laughs) is JR in the background. Uh, But if he does not become heel Vince McMahon, which was tested in Memphis and everything. Mm. I didn't know that until the Wrestling with Regret video was put out. But mm. If he does not become heel Vince McMahon, then he is the smartest man in wrestling. Whether at his older age is he's making the best decisions, and do we even know, obviously, behind the scenes what's going on? No. But at the same time, we're looking at this as who built this wrestling empire obviously but let's just look at who saved his own wrestling empire because if he did not adapt to the times we can sit here and be crotchety and complain about how Vince McMahon is this old man who is out of touch and has absolutely no clue what he's doing but if Vince did not turn heel did not become a character very true then this podcast wouldn't even exist you know what I mean it's just like 
if Vince McMahon did not take matters into his own hands, then who knows what would have ended up happening in the wrestling world. And that is why he is my fourth pick for my wrestling mind That's a fantastic point. That is, you know, who put Andre versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3? Who invented WrestleMania? And even then, who reinvented it? Yeah. Who decided, like, look, we got to get away from some of the some of the more colorful characters that we had in the 80s, and we need to move into something where we can really kind of channel this grungy 90s energy and kind of put that put that in a microwave and form what we need to. And also, and this is like, if I had a number five, it'd probably be the rock. Mm-hmm. Like for mine, like if it were um, put in a, a fifth Mount Rushmore. It's very hard not to put him on that list. Because look at like WrestleMania X7 is seen as like the defining moment of the Attitude Area. Uh, when, you know, Vince McMahon comes down, you know, betrays The Rock, you know, The Rock, uh, Austin, and then you got JR on commentary saying, uh, Austin just shook hands with the devil himself, you know, Austin's heel turn, right? You're looking at three guys who are just, just super, like, comets, mm-hmm. you know, they're just the, br- the brightest burning thing that you can imagine with. Austin McMahon and Dwayne Johnson all, all right there. And you got good old JR on commentary. It's just all, it's the perfect moment, you know, of of the Attitude Era. And that's why I think, yeah. I mean, you're right he on goes the head like, he right goes, the they make JR say what is going to happen on Monday night because everybody's going to end up tuning into Raw. I mean, I will literally guarantee. That the whistleblower who was feeding information that Mankind was going to win the WWE title to uh, WCW was coming straight from Vince himself. He's going, you know what? Tell them. Because what happened is WCW spoils Mankind winning the WWE championship to the fans who are watching. Mm -hmm. And the fans go, what? Really? They want to see Mick Foley win his world championship. They don't want to watch whatever the hell crap is being Buff Bagwell versus whatever. Right. They they want to watch, you know, something important happen. And everybody ended up tuning into Raw that night. And Vince again is out there trying to make, you know, the title change not happen. Stone Cold comes back and hits the rock over the head with a chair. It's again a perfect attitude era moment, but at the same time, it's like if in my opinion, like I said, wrestling would not be the same if Vince McMahon this didn't decide to be a character. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't decide to be a character, then who knows where we're at right now. You know what I mean? Yep. Hit it on the head. But, I mean, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels are the two incredibly important. You're looking at the eras of wrestling. I mean, like, there are plenty of people who are incredibly important to the wrestling business who are left off that list. You know what I mean? Like I said, Anoki is important because wrestling in Japan becomes so important and a new territory ends up coming where different wrestlers can come and wrestle overseas and stuff like that. And, you know, wrestling in Japan is incredibly important when it comes down to it at the end of the day. Um, You know, another honorable mention would 
be, I mean, you know, the ultimate warrior even at the same time is this incredibly colorful character. Andre unleashes this era of wrestling where the big monster behemoth becomes a thing and then yep. we get the giant in WCW and we get, oh, sorry, are we talking about blunders in wrestling anymore? When the Yeti comes out and, or sorry, the Yeti comes out and uh, <laughs> dry humps Hulk Hogan with the giant. I just, anyways, Joe, it has been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. Thanks, bro. Thank you so much. This is the Eric Bischoff Hulk Hogan, or uh, Vince McMahon handshake right there, live. Uh, Chris I and thought I, you, I thought you handshake at the end of podcast. Well, no. This is my well, first time. I'm hired enough. Here's the thing, is that the way that we have to do things here, we unfortunately cannot shake hands because Chris is in Indiana and I can be oh, yeah. you know, the fabulous state of Ohio. But that doesn't mean that we won't shake hands towards the end of the podcast one day. And that might actually become a new thing. Okay. But that said, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Like I said, Chris and I will be back eventually. It's just going to take a little bit more time. Uh, you know, at the same time, we really, really appreciate you guys coming back uh, to check out the show. Uh, you know, obviously, WRCW, I know that there's a few people out there who love to watch our weekly wrestling show that we create at the end of the day where the Mario Brothers are fighting Spider-Man and Miles Morales. <laughs> but that said, uh, until then, uh, I bid everybody adieu. Make sure you check out all the different stuff that we are doing on this channel and make sure that you subscribe. And if you're here, we really appreciate it. Hit that like button. And signing off, I'm Nick. And I'm Joe. And this is another episode of WrestleReel. No, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no.